everyone, this is Dan Holman with The Wealthy Retailer, and you've tuned in today to this podcast because you're in and about the world of retail. I am so excited for my guest today. This is someone that I watch um, almost on a daily basis, so I'm in, truly honored to have Ashley Alderson from the Boutique Hub join us again. Ashley, welcome back. Hey, Dan. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for that nice introduction. <laughs> well, it's it, uh, it's genuine. It's real. Um, you know, I I am someone who spends a lot of time, you know, consuming relevant information. I kind of pause on that word relevant because we're we're riddled today with with media that's not relevant to our business. And so when I find someone that I believe is relevant, I I glom onto them. And you, girl, are one of those people. So um, before we get yeah. deep into this Thank thing, I, I want you to tell us you know, a little story about Ashley, how you got into this, this crazy boutique hub world, this, this monstrous thing that you've created. Oh man. Um, you know, I think all great things, uh, you know, have some kind of divine intervention in them, right? It's not that we sit down and we always write out this great plan from start to finish and things go as planned. But I think in order to be great in business, you have to be nimble and follow where the road takes you. And and that's kind of my journey. You know, when I started the Boutique Hub, it, it came from, I've been thinking about this for so many years. I'd been traveling and I followed, you know, great boutiques all over the country. I fell in love with these stores. I'm from North Dakota originally, you know, with 80 miles to a Walmart or a stoplight. Like I literally come from the middle of nowhere and boutiques were not a thing growing up. I worked in a retail store since I was 14. It was a little flower shop with some home decor in it. And I I worked in a buckle in college, loved clothes, but again, we really didn't have boutiques. But then when I started to travel for work, I fell in love with these stores all over. And it was the time when social media was brand new. You had to be in college, you had to be invited. And I remember, you know, signing up for Facebook the first time in my college computer lab. And during that time, I saw these women starting online boutiques and they were just selling clothes to their personal profiles. And I thought, man, that's so smart, so cool. And I kept wanting there to be some resource online where I could find all those boutiques that I was discovering now on this brand new social media platform and all the stores I love, these brick and mortars or these pop-up stores that I could see all over the world when I traveled. And so this idea of building this community really came at that time. But, you know, as luck would have it, uh, I did not start building the hub at that time. I actually went into economic development and worked in uh, economic development for eight years. I ran a big firm for a county in four cities. So I love just business development as a whole and coaching retailers and businesses of all types, housing developments, legislation, whatever it was, every aspect of business and community development was really my jam. And while social media was growing, I started to learn social media strategy from the very, very beginning. Uh, Facebook ads, the day they were launched, the Facebook news feed, the day it was launched, Instagram, the moment it was launched, just kind of rode this wave up. And eventually when we moved, my family and I, my husband and I have three kids. We moved from North Dakota to Wisconsin, and I had to leave my job in economic development. I had time to work on this you know, wild idea like every entrepreneur does. And so I started to build the Boutique Hub more from a consumer perspective first, you know, where someone like me from the sticks could find great stores that she loved all over the world. And as I built that, what I realized was all the stores that I was bringing together and the owners that I was friends with, they were more excited about finding one another and finding a community than they were about having another resource to sell 
online or to find consumers online. They really needed education because it was hard to find. And our industry was pretty siloed at the time. You know, owners really didn't share information with one another. It was kind of like every man for himself. And so at the time, I really pushed hard on just building a community. Everything is in community over competition and a rising tide lifts all ships. So these owners came in and any question they had, I was bound and determined I was going to find an answer for them. So if it was an answer I didn't have, which I'm not scared to admit when I don't know something, I would bring in a resource. I would bring in an expert. I would build a tool. I hired a web developer to build things for me. And we just started to build this random idea from the ground up that we felt was really serving people in the moment. And, you know, thankfully, it really took off. And by word of mouth, I mean, the boutique have just kind of took off like wildfire for our entire industry. So today we've got uh, just shy of about 5,000 boutiques, over 600 wholesale brands, and around 100 service providers that you know serve our industry, whether it's an app or um, some kind of a tool or a graphic designer, web developer, whatever it is. But we try to bring our entire industry together under one roof so that everyone has the tools they need in one place, and we can help build our industry together in community over competition. Wow. Wow. You know, that is so fabulous. Okay, so there's a few things that I've kind of pulled out of that. I'm going to start first with, oh my gosh, how have you built, how have you hired and surrounded yourself with people that have, in fact, enabled this kind of growth? Oh man, uh, hiring <laughs> hiring is a whole animal on its own. Um, it is. But all of these people, <laughs> I, I feel like everyone that's on our team, because our team's doubled in the last year, our, our team was all handpicked by God. They just were, they were at the right place, the right time. They were meant to be here. Honestly, it was divine that they're here. Um, our, our COO, uh, Beth, who is my right hand, she does everything. She could run this ship without me, I promise. She's amazing. She started as our babysitter. So I think I want to use that as an example because I think so many times in business we think we've got to go find this, you know, high-paying, high-powered person that came from some other industry that's going to be such an expert. Don't underestimate the people that are right under your nose right now that you trust. I think if you can get the right people on the bus, you can arrange the seats on the bus anytime. But you have to have the right people there that believe in your mission and believe in what you're doing and will work as hard as you do. And our entire team is remote. We don't have an office. We all work from home. Uh, we chat over video every single day. But I believe, you know, our team, they're such hard workers. They're such self-starters. They will do anything that it takes to make this happen. Um, so just find good people. Like I said, Beth was a babysitter um, who, you know, helped build the company. And now she is the right-hand woman. And there's so many stories like that in our in our team that they just kind of came from random places, but they were the absolute perfect person for the role. And so when I think about person, and so you, you continuously strike chords with me, I don't hire, I mean, people get interviews based on skill and experience for a job, mm -hmm. but making a hiring decision based on someone's previous experience, previous successes or, or mm -hmm. accomplishments is a mistake in any organization. If you don't hire people mm -hmm. based on their guiding principles, their core values, and their ability to align with your vision and values, there is no success for them, or consequentially, me as a business owner, or you as a business owner, or, or a retailer. If you're hiring based on skill and experience, you're probably, you know, hiring the wrong person. 
Yeah. You, you, there's so many skills that you can learn today. You can teach people, but you can't teach people to be honest and have integrity, be genuine, to be hardworking, to be self-starters. You can't teach that stuff. Right. So you have to find people that are hungry from the start, that are gritty and willing to dig in and do the work. Yeah, very good answer. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's okay, I've doubled my team in the last year. Retail, that happens. In some cases, we don't double our team, but we might see, you know, a crazy amount of turnover in a year. We do live in a somewhat transient world. We, we tend to see younger people in retail where this is their first, second, or third job and not their destination. You know, we as boutique owners, store owners um, of all shapes and sizes, we've made this life choice that they have not yet made. And so we are constantly replacing team. And sometimes it feels like, you know, it's a revolving door. And is that healthy or unhealthy? Um, I think that you have to have a little of both. I think that's kind of the way it is. But I think there's ways to mitigate it uh, and to make it work for you. I think sometimes retailers feel like, gosh, I wish I had someone that would just come and stay, you know, long term, right? That was invested right. like I am. But that's just not the name of the game. So I think as long as your intentions are right from the start and say, I'm not hiring for the position necessarily, but I'm hiring because this person is a good person. I'm going to train them. I'm going to do what's best for this person long term. And if they leave me in the long run, that's okay. But that's my expectation from the start. We're going to make this a win-win partnership as long as we can where this person's helping me and I'm helping, you know, build this person as an individual. And if they leave in the long run, that's okay. But I think, you know, sometimes we're devastated when right. we train and invest in someone and they leave. So I think just getting your mindset right from the start and wanting what's best for that individual, then it makes that process a little bit easier. But at the same time, I'm going to back up now and say, you have to make sure that you have a good training program right. and that you aren't the reason people are leaving. Mm -hmm. Because I would say, and, and I'm curious what your thought is on this, Dan, but I think sometimes like or maybe like 70, 80 percent of the time when someone leaves um, and they're dissatisfied, it is a reflection on us. It's a reflection on us not training them, on us not caring for them as an individual and what their needs are. It's not us saying from the start, hey, what are your long-term goals? Right. Well, what are the skills you want to develop? Who is it? The, who's the person you want to be? Right. And then building the position into that for that person. So it's developing the person too often. I think we're stuck trying to fit a square peg through a round hole and saying, no, 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 this is the person I need you to be. Right. You change to fit my needs rather than being nimble and trying to help their needs. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that when you live in a place of, you know, in your soul, when you are an accountable person, when you take ownership for things, every time someone leaves you, even not, okay, so not necessarily leaving from a place of displeasure, but leaving because there's a better opportunity out there for them, I own that, that's on me. If one of my team members is not happy, if is not feeling successful and chooses to leave, to find that success, mm -hmm. I own it. That's on me. I didn't give them the attention, the training, the coaching, the counseling that they need to be successful. And I own that. It's totally 100% on me. And even when someone comes to me and says, hey, I've been offered this great opportunity, I want them to tell me why it's a great opportunity and why that opportunity doesn't exist here. And how can I change 
you know, so that that opportunity does become available for them. And we get so caught up in the business, in the day-to-day, -day, the minutia, that we forget, you know, it, being caught up in it, may, it creates bad decision. It doesn't allow us to be the leaders, the thought leaders and the visionary, you know, leaders that we need to be in our business. When people leave, it's on me. I made a mistake. I did something wrong. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I'm, man, I couldn't agree more. I'm also going to say, um, you know, that even, you know, I think that I have to use, you know, my philosophy in business is today you're stronger with me than without me. But at some point, I'm going to let you go. Not, not because we're not good together, but because you've outgrown me. And if I can't get my retail community to outgrow me, I'm not doing a good job. And I feel a lot like that with, with team members. My job is to help them grow and mature and become bigger and better and healthier so that they do have opportunity that I couldn't give them, that they do outgrow me. And every time we hire someone, you know, we give them all of the tools, we give them all of the opportunity to become bigger and better and to mature and grow and learn so that you know, they leave the nest. Yeah, absolutely. They've got to leave the nest. And that's about being a true leader in your business. True leaders are selfless. They're not selfish. And they're servant leaders. Right. But I think when you approach, whether it's, you know, hiring or your marketing, your customers, your community, whatever it is, when you show up as a servant leader, and how can I help you first? And then know that you'll get yours second, but it'll be more than you ever expected, even though it's second. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's true leadership. It's not about what's good for me right now. No, it's what's good for you right now. Right. And I will, I will get mine. Right. And when we live in a service above self, you know, when we have that service above self mantra that we know, you know, that the pursuit of excellence for others in others is, is, you know, one of our guiding principles, you know, we can call ourselves out when we don't act that way. But we have to speak those words. You know, I believe wholeheartedly in service above self. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do for you before I ever worry about doing for myself. And in the back of my mind, you know, we've been doing this long enough. We've learned this through our life that there is consequential reward. And consequential reward happens in every aspect of our life, whether we're a, you know, a retail store owner. You know, consequentially, we, we get sales because of our commitment to our to our customer, to our client, to our guest. And in, in your business, in my business, in every business, not just this retail world we live in, it's the same. If you live in service above self, if you believe in that, there's success waiting for you, consequentially. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, 100%, and that's... Yeah, go ahead, and that's... Oh, oh no, I was gonna say that's, that's really how the hub, I believe, has grown is when we started the hub, I mean, this is a free service we offered to everyone. And it was a, how much can we give to the industry? And eventually then, you know, became something people subscribed to and bought into. But again, it's, it's all about giving before you receive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, rule of reciprocity always reigns supreme, you know, give before you get. Um, so, so, Ashley, tell me what's next for the boutique hub. You've gathered this this massive, I'm gonna call it a following, um, but I mean this, this strategic you know, partnership world. You've got service providers, you've got vendors, 
you know, you've got retailers. What's next? Um, oh, man, I, I uh, feel like there's so many things always happening. Uh, you know, really what's next is dictated by our community. What do they need? What, what changes are happening in the economy and what tools are, are evolving that they really need? And I think there's some things that we're working on right now in the wholesale side of things that are going to really shape our community. I think wholesale is a true omni-channel experience. It should be um, for retailers and wholesalers. So we're really working on defining some things in that space. But how else can we provide the education that our industry needs? That's number one. And how can we partner um, with others like yourself in the industry that are also providing quality education to get retailers the tools they need to be successful? I feel like every single independent business owner in this industry should have the same opportunities that a Nordstrom does, that a big box store does. Mm-hmm. Whether that's in discounts and pricing, um, or opportunity, uh, you know, access to people like merchandisers or sales team. I mean, they need all that information. And so the hub has to be the vehicle that sees the forest through the trees. So these business owners can keep working on their business, not just in their business, but we've got to help you know, light a path that they can continue to follow. Agreed. Okay, I'm going to segue from that and talk a little bit about recovery. So here we are, you know, at some place in recovery from, you know, this disruption. At some place, mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like. Um, you know, and, and we have this common belief in community uh, over competition. And we know that there is a, a significant and almost unending pool of resource available to every retailer. Mm-hmm. How do we guide them to go looking for the guidance and the help that they need, even if we don't have it for them? Oh man, uh, do you mean financial help, educational mm. help? Yeah, what I'll... do I do tomorrow when I wake up and put my socks on help? All, all of the above. You know, for me, someone's gonna say, um, you know, boy, oh boy, I really need some, some training. And I'm going to say, what kind of training? What kind of coaching? What do you need? Well, I need sales training. Okay, well, I can do some of that for you. I have my own, you know, wealthy retailer selling system. But I think there are 10 other great selling systems out there. And here are the options that you need to look at. And see, for me, that's not about me trying to harbor, you know, that client's attention you know, revenue or anything otherwise. It's about me saying, there's some great people out there that you need to listen to. You know, you need to go and listen to Bob Negan on this or, you know, Bob Fibbs on this or Ashley Alderson on this or Mark Weiss from Manage One. You got to be on that program. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, how do you, how do you propel people through recovery for things that you maybe aren't the best at? Yeah. Uh, I think that's where having a community around you becomes so important. Um, Maybe it's your local retail community. Maybe there's a bunch of retailers in your area that collaborate with one another. Um, To me, that's not trying to be like selfish. It's the hub is the answer. Uh, It's, it's the hub community. It's finding others that are also in recovery and saying, Hey, what's worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? What do you wish you would have done differently? What are you going to do tomorrow? And then just kind of deciphering through that, what's the next best step for me to take? And I think it's easy for us as entrepreneurs to be squirrels. Mm -hmm. And we're so busy, like, chasing the next nut, right? We don't even know where we're going to turn. We're just running around, like, with our heads cut off. But we've really got to just hone in. What's one area of business I'm going to focus on right now? 
you know, if you went through this process and you were the store that had never done video online, Mm -hmm. that had never really maximized social media, or you've never had a website for your business, and you realized, oh my gosh, I was really putting all of my eggs in one basket. I was really focusing on one area that completely collapsed. I now have exposed a weakness in my business and I need to go figure out how to build it. You know, there's your answer. I think this has exposed opportunities and threats in our business model in so many different ways. And I think you just have to lean into what was your experience over the past several months. And there's where I need to go seek my answer going forward. Yeah, yeah, really well said. And so, you know, are you going to see yourself continuing to adapt messaging that is, you know, let's let's adopt some best practices. Let's, you know, things are changing for us a little bit. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. a good level of disruption. Through that disruption, we've seen, you know, in some cases, attrition. Attrition always creates growth opportunity. Is your messaging going to change a little bit, you know, from day to day, week to week, month to month, and getting past this, you know, to, to some place where we feel fully recovered? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will. It will have to. Um, I think messaging is going to continue to change and how we operate is going to continue to change going forward all the way down from the supply chain all the way on through. Mm. You know, we've, we now realize we have to buy differently. We now realize that there's different numbers. You know, if you haven't been working with Dan or if you haven't been working with someone like Management One, if you haven't been digging into your numbers, you realize now you have to. If you did not know your break even beforehand, you now, unfortunately, know it really, really well. <laughs> you learned it very quickly. <laughs> I've, I've been you this know? significant advocate for know your math, you know, know how to figure yeah. out exactly where your numbers are. I mean, break even, yeah. you know, break even over the last several months has become one of the most critical numbers you need to know. And I don't think that that changes. I think that just, you know, it, it was it was given a highlight that it hasn't gotten in the past. And I've lived in a break-even world yeah. for a very long time, but that doesn't mean it has always been, you know, my core, my, you know, my guiding, my guiding factor or my guiding metric. It's not always been break-even, but, you know, now mm-hmm. it certainly gets a lot more attention because it is the point at which, you know, I can find black. It's yeah, <laughs> I think all <laughs> it is. And I think all retailers, there's right brain and left brain in retail. Yeah. Either you look and you love the retail art side of things. You love buying. You love pretty things. You love serving your customers. You love marketing. And then there's retail science. And that's you know, where is the black mm-hmm. and, you know, really getting every last squeeze of juice out of this you know, well, I'll say lemon that yes. we've been dealing with for a while. Um, there's two different ways to look at it. Right. But really to master retail, you really have to understand both. You can't ignore one or the other. And if it's not you, then, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, there's a problem. Oh my gosh. You have to surround yourself with people smarter than you yes. to help you figure this yes. out. And there's got to be someone helping you, you know, operate both sides of yeah. your brain. Yeah. And you know what? There are times when I sometimes think I'm the smartest person in the room. And at that very moment in time, um, I, I need an ego check because there mm-hmm. are people that I'm surrounded with that know way more about stuff than I ever will. And I've got to let go of whatever I think I my expertise is and allow theirs to shine through. And as a business owner, you know, we own a couple of businesses here. <laughs> and 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, I ev in every instance, I have to hire people that are smarter, more intelligent, you know, more educated than I will ever be. And I have to learn from them. You know, they have to give me way more than I can ever give them. Um, I, I mean, they have the opportunity to give me way more than I can give them. And if I'm not, if that's not part of my culture, part of my hiring practice, I'm stuck in this, I don't know what I don't know world. Yeah, you kind of become an echo chamber mm. where everyone around you is like, oh yeah, that's a great idea, Dan. You should definitely yeah. do that. You should definitely jump off that cliff, Dan. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you have to have someone that's going to give you a real honest reality check in life. Right. And I think you have to balance your your life with people that have different personality types that have, you know, that we have those you know, extroverts and introverts and deep thoughtful and deep analytical and and then those crazy thought leaders that, that are around us that have the creativity that that are not afraid to try something new, you know? And I'm, I'm that person that will never say, oh yeah, we've done that forever, we've tried that, we've, you know, been there, done that, that doesn't work. Because just because it didn't work yesterday doesn't mean it won't work today, you know? And I even coach in my retail yeah. world, I'm coaching people all the time. I know you tried that last month, but now let's change these three parts of that and see if you get a different result. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Keep, I, keep iterating. Keep, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay, really great word. You know, iteration is just as important as innovation. They, they, in some cases, really need to be synonymous, and I know they're not, but we need them both you know, just as much. You don't have to figure out a new mouse trap. You just have to make the mm -hmm. one you have better every single day. Um, yes. Ashley, I, before I let you go, I, I, I gotta have you tell us, how do we follow you? How do we find you? Where do we get more information? Where are we gonna see you in June? Um, fire away. Uh, certainly, well, uh, the boutiquehub.com is really the mothership. That's where you can find all things Boutique Hub. Boutique Hub Business on the gram, uh, Facebook, we're everywhere. Um, if you want to follow me personally, I also share a lot of insight uh, for women entrepreneurs as a whole, uh, founders, leaders, anyone, and that's AJ Alderson on the gram. And we have a huge event, which we would love to have you guys you know, join us at. It's called the Boutique Summit. It's the largest gathering of retailers in the world, of boutique owners in the world. It happens in June. In Atlanta, June 7th through the 9th, you can find more information on the boutiquesummit.com. And we get together at several markets throughout the year. Uh, we're in Vegas always for magic, mm -hmm. and we're always excited to meet new people in the industry. So don't be a stranger. Awesome. Ashley, thank you so, so very much. I feel like we could probably go on for another, <laughs> gosh knows how long, um, but, but I know that time is one of the most valuable things you have, and I would love to be able to extend an invitation to come back and join us again. Oh man, I'd be honored to. Thanks so much again for having me. This is fun, Dan. I really appreciate you. It's a pleasure. I appreciate you too. Ladies and gentlemen, Ashley Alderson from the Boutique Hub. If you have not yet subscribed to thewealthyretailer.com, you can find us on, as Ashley says, on the gram at The Wealthy Retailer, on Facebook at The Wealthy Retailer, and certainly at thewealthyretailer.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast at The Wealthy Retailer on your favorite podcast platform and hear more great stories like this one that Ashley just shared. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you. Have a great day.